All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Bearded Advocate. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and today I'm joined by Angelina. Angelina, thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. So go ahead and introduce us as to who you are and what brings you on today. All right, sounds good. Uh, my name is Angelina Rose. I currently am going by Green Godmother, and that's because I am a herbal and cannabis wellness advocate, as well as an event and podcast host. And I just started my podcast, The Chronically Ill Podcast. So I'm really excited to have a common, uh, I suppose, interest in chronic illness with you. I I talk about weed a lot on here. Oh, Um, cool. So out of curiosity, what state are you in? Because obviously medically or recreationally one. Right. Well, I am in New York, which is a fully legal recreational state, but we are awaiting okay. our, you know, 100% situation. Yeah. Okay. That's we're still fair. in a, we're still in a waiting period for those uh, dispos to open up for other than medical patients, but yep. I am a medicinal uh, New York med- medical marijuana patient, as they would call it, medicinal cannabis patient. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We talk we talk a lot about it on the show because I have a range of people from you know chronic pain, chronic illnesses, disabilities, mental health disorders, um, some people that come on with terminal illnesses, and, and we talk a lot about it because I mean I understand it has a lot of different multi-purpose uses and at the end of the day when you can go with a plant versus a chemical to treat and fix something you generally have a lot less side effects and downfalls to them it was actually interesting to me when i learned about um cannabis as a uh medicinal option specifically for crohn's disease which i I suffer from Crohn's disease, IBD and colitis. Uh, So the, well, which are both IBDs rather, as you know. (laughs) Um, So I remember, and it was before I was diagnosed and it was like a long time ago, I was just a recreational user of cannabis. And I remember watching a video where a girl had explained that, um, smoking cannabis was the only relief she had from Crohn's disease because Crohn's disease felt like uh, pieces of broken glass going through her intestines. And Mm -hmm. I I never forgot that. It was so weird to me that like then fast forward in my life, I get freaking diagnosed with Crohn's. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, and it was weird because I was like, I remember thinking, oh, now I know what that girl was talking about. And also knowing the feeling of being without cannabis Mm -hmm. after having been diagnosed with IBD and then knowing the feeling of having cannabis be so medicinal for IBD. Now I have tons of questions because I talk a lot about it and I've had a lot of people on with different conditions, but I actually haven't had anybody on that has Crohn's or colitis that uses it as treatment. So where do you fall severity wise when it comes to your Crohn's and how long have you had it? So I was officially diagnosed in, I believe 2008. And at that time I was diagnosed with um, ulcerative colitis which had eventually turned into uh, Crohn's probably about 10 years later, but I had lived knowing I had ulcerative colitis since 2008. Um, And throughout that journey, it got 
in various stages of severity, but you know, I had been, I since then have been hospitalized probably more times than I can count for Crohn's and colitis related mm. symptoms. And so more um, on the severe side. Yeah, I okay. would say um, now I do, I am more disabled from probably, I would even say more of the side effects of having Crohn's and colitis than the supposed, you know, Crohn's colitis official symptoms, maybe I say that, but I'm like, then you think about things and you're like, but if a doctor was to ask you their questions, I'd be answering it. And probably I'd fail and they'd be like, wow, you're pretty severe. So yeah, it's a, that's how, you know, you're talking to someone else with Crohn's when they're like, oh, I can tell you're severe. <laughs> yep. Nope. You fall in the severe category. Let me tell you that one right now. Oh, no, I'm, I also fall in the severe category. So I, I know first time I was in the hospital, they did like a colonoscopy to try to figure everything out. And I was, it's like 85-ish percent of my colon was completely covered in ulcers. So yeah, I'm in that fun, severe category, um, which not saying it's fun to deal with, but I'm excited because that means I get a, uh, a really good representation of how medicinal you know, marijuana can, can help treat it. Cause I, I push for it a lot. Unfortunately, I'm a federal employee, so I have to wait until the federal government uh, approves it. And then they're probably going to be some regulation around how federal employees can use it underneath that approval. Um, but I'm always curious about it. And I've followed quite a few studies and individuals that use it <clears throat> more so in Colorado, cause they've been doing it a lot longer, but a lot of people that use the actual oils in capsules, so like CBD and THC oils to treat it. So, yeah, I, <clears throat> I have found, um, because I am, you know, I realized at a certain point I was teaching myself a certain amount of things just to keep myself healthy from, you know, the Crohn's and IBD symptoms. Um, and then I did start to read and learn more about, you know, I was, like I said, I was already a casual uh, cannabis user. So I was like, you know, I, I really have to kind of learn more about the medicine, like making this a medicinal priority mm -hmm. because doctors like to push the, uh, you know, biologic medications Remicade, on yeah, Remicade, yeah. Humira, <clears throat> things that are, you know, mayor, things that in, Costly. In the world of, I would say in the world of severe IBD are things that are like very hit or miss. I mean, I feel like they may work really great for other symptoms or maybe milder symptoms, but I think that just in my own, like learning about what I've learned about joining groups, talking to people that have been on it, learned, like trying to figure out what these things were initially, why were they prescribed for IBD, you know, and, and I realized for me, biologics were just not something I wanted to start that journey with. And mm -hmm. um, so that was the other reason why I really looked into the cannabis as a option. I figured smoking thing. was great, but I was like thinking to myself, you know, I really got to get it like in my guts because that's yeah. where the Crohn's is. Right. Yep. So then it became a journey of like trying to find a proper way to do that. And, you know, yeah, CBD is a great place to start. That's legal. That's something as a, you know, federal employee, you could start I'm a regimen. So. 
Oh on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on Remitate Cade till they switch it over. No, but uh, <clears throat> a lot of the stuff that I've seen, so I've, I've followed a lot of people that have more of the severe and, and extreme Crohn's or colitis, and a lot of them usually do like an eight part to one part CBD to THC, um, yeah. because the CBD is really good at <clears throat> preventing inflammation, and the THC is really good at treating active inflammation. So yeah. when you pair the two together, especially in oil form, it just coats your intestines. And that's exactly yeah. where the inflammation is for us. I've seen very, very good responses, especially for people that fall in you know, our categories, the severe or even worse extreme. And when you look at it compared to like Remicade, I get Remicade every six weeks, normal dosages every eight. My Remicade before insurance is about $8,000 in infusion. And the highest that I've seen it before in uh, insurance is around $25,000 in infusion, depending on where you are in the U.S. and whether you're getting it at a doctor's office or a hospital. So. Those are your monetary um, side effects, but what are your physical side effects of the Remicade? Um, brain fog. What does it take to get yourself to even go because I know with Remicade it's different you have to go to a facility and sit there and get it administered and that takes a lot of energy for you know people with chronic illness so that's something like I always would factor all that stuff in because there were some doctors you know you know how it is like going to a million doctors and some doctor's offices you have to drive and that takes a lot out of your day. And then when you have Crohn's to know that you're sitting or when you have an IBD of any kind, when you know you have to sit in a chair, you're telling me I got to sit in a chair for a few hours. And then if I got to go to the bathroom, I'm hooked up to a thing. Or, I mean, this is like, you know, causing so more anxiety. It's not that bad. Um, so <clears throat> I'm in a, in a larger area as far as population wise. I'm in Virginia Beach. So mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. a lot more like doctor's office and stuff. My doctor's office is literally like two miles down the road. Um, <clears throat> what I do is like, you know, I always, I take the day off for my infusions. I usually have my infusions in the morning, 8.30 time. They last about two and a half hours. Um, my doctor's office has recliners, like nice big recliners that you can kind of lay back in. And I usually pop a Benadryl before I go in, you know, mm -hmm. pre-medicate just in case you have an allergic reaction. But it also helps me sleep. So I usually just take a nap through the whole thing. Like I'll just sleep mm -hmm. through the whole thing, slap some, you know, my AirPods in and just listen to some music. And then, I mean, the IV systems are on little wheelie carts, like a little pole with wheels on it. Yeah. And they have battery backup. So you just unplug it and you, know, you can take it to the bathroom. I'm, I mean, I'm just being, I'm, I'm being excessive. I'm just saying, no, I, I know. I, I, I'm just it's trying to say like, you know, the, there does become an aspect of, you know, that whole process that ends up, you know, not being comfortable for people that are trying to, you know, get better if they're not able to have those, you know, things close and comfortable for them. So, no, I only ask because, you know, to me, I think too is, um, you know, when I say no to those things and I'm trying to find a regimen that works for me and you're saying, you know, you're excited to talk to somebody who, you know, I guess treats their symptoms with, with cannabis, I would say, is that really what it does for me is that it helps me maintain a better quality of life where I'm not so bedridden tired, mm -hmm. 
um, <clears throat> I can actually get an appetite and eat, you know, um, so all of those other things, but I will say there, you know, there's still prone symptoms, you know what I mean? There's still mm -hmm. symptoms. And then the regimen you're saying, the CBD, the THC is great. But now that I'm like taking classes and getting like, you know, uh, some cannabis certifications in, in my world here, I'm learning that there's hundreds of different cannabinoid compounds mm -hmm. in the plant. So not only really should we as even more specifically, IBD patients be thinking CBD plus THC. There's actually CBG, which is very specific for pain relief and inflammation. Mm -hmm. And then there's a compound released in THCA or THC called THCA, which is only released in certain ways where you can get it through vaping or smoking specifically. Um, those those specific cannabinoid compounds are known to target the actual very specific inflammation that we have with Crohn's and IBD. So that to me is like exciting to learn and keep like learning about and wanting to like, you know, like you said, these people that have a hardcore regimen, mm -hmm. I'm like, let me figure, you know, so I'm like, there's gotta the be more, mix. there's gotta be better. Yeah. I'm like, there's more well, regimens. I think that's a big thing. So, I, I mean, Colorado's had it legalized for a really long time and they've started playing around with it. And now you have hundreds of different strains of, of marijuana and different plants and they do have all those different <clears throat> factors to them and, and quantity or um, qualities that help with different things and are used for different reasons and completely different potencies. Um, and I mean, one of the big things for me is I'm on, I'm on every six weeks. Normally your normal dosage is every eight weeks. Now <clears throat> I'm kind of a bad person to judge off of because unfortunately my body's really good at suffering. So for me, it's just kind of like, okay, you know what, whatever from achy all the time, if my energy is low, I just kind of, my body just sucks it up, which isn't the greatest solution ever, but my body's good at doing that. And I, you know, I've had Previously, I've worked like 80 hours a week and my body just sucks it up. Is it fun? No, but <clears throat> I can I can live with it. Um, and I say that because there's a lot of different side effects that can come along with Remicade. And depending on how bad your Crohn's or colitis is or how knowledgeable your doctor is and kind of the frequency that you're on, you might be on mm -hmm. other medications as well. And a lot of a lot of almost, I mean, majority of the medications that are for Crohn's and colitis that affect the primary focus of it, whether as opposed to it's a secondary drug that kind of manages like mm -hmm. acid reflux or just kind of coats your intestines just in case. Yeah, um, a lot yeah. of them have things like, you know, mental health related symptoms, night sweats, <clears throat> you know, acne breakouts. You have sometimes joint pain or, or body aches, um, headaches and dehydration is a really common one as well. Um, I mean, I'm bald by choice now, but I lost about half of my hair density on my head from a previous medication I was on. I decided, hey, I can grow a beard, so I'm just going to shave it off and, and it works. But there's a, there's a lot of those on top of the cost of it. So there's always this, you know, at least when you're on a heavy duty infusion, there's this looming price over your head. Like, hey, if your insurance gets fucked up, 
it was eight grand that you have to pay. And I say that because I'm still paying for two infusions out of pocket. And I've been fully insured since I got colitis 11 years ago. So oh my I've been fully covered and I'm still paying for two of them out of pocket because insurance companies suck. So are you, is this like, how many medications have you tried and failed um, before you found really? And so is Remicade the one where you feel like you don't want to stop that course because you know it's helping you or it's at least helping you the most out of all the ones you've done? And you're saying over 11 years? Yeah. So Remicade has been the most effective. I have started Remicade, stopped it at one point and came back to it two years later. Um, tried Intivio, it wasn't lasting long enough. I couldn't do the Humera shots because something about a spring-loaded shot going into your leg doesn't, it's just not fun. And Every two weeks for the rest yeah, of your life, no, if it works. I'm, I'm, I'm like, good. what? <clears throat> Excuse me? Would you do that, uh, doctor? You know what I mean? Like, I, I have to like take hours to try to hype myself up to do it. And I was like, no, fuck this, I'm done. Um, prednisone destroyed my bones on the horrendously high dosages that I was on, you know, including all the hallucinations and depression that came along with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there were a bunch of other random ones. Met- I think it was metronidazole worked really well, but all my hair fell out. Mm. Um, <laughs> Azacol used to be a really good option. That was kind of a preventative one. They would just kind of slap you on and you take like yep. eight horse pills a day, you know, coach yes. your intestines. For- so you're less likely to have a flare up. Right. Um, those really didn't have any side effects, so they weren't bad. Um, and then what was it? A Merpazole and yeah, Merpazole was always like, "Hey, here's a prednisone's going to cause acid reflux, so you're always nauseous." So here's some oh, Merpazole to try to control yeah. that. Um, I was on what six MP for a while, but I decided to drop that because of the you know cancer. I was with it. suggested <laughs> Remicade, but it was something where um, my insurance wouldn't allow me to get Remicade unless I was on Humora first and the Humora failed. And I was yeah. like, well, that's not like something I'm willing, I like you're telling me I have to play with my immune system just to get the medicine that's known to help what they call fistulizing Crohn's disease, whereas Humora isn't. There's nothing in the study that says it's very specific to that, whereas Remicade is very effing specific to fistulizing Crohn's disease. And it's like, then you feel crazy because you're like, have you read the work? I mean, I've read it. I've read it. You know, I can get like, I get a little tinfoil too. And the doctors don't like that. I know too much about things. So, you know, it's it's a mix. I mean, a lot of people have to try the Humera first because it's a lot cheaper per dosage. Um, Whereas the Remicade is depending on your state, eight to eight to $25,000 in infusion. I just feel like, you know, when you're in a case where you already know you have, like, like you said, when you're like at a severe condition, it's like, you already know the Remicade is the one that's, you know, known. (laughs) It's like, can we just start with the one? And and the, the irony of it for me was that it just kind of was such an awkward situation because I had resisted any biologic for years and years and years and years. And I finally was like, fine, give me the mouse juice. I know that's what they call the Remicade. It's because he's um, a protein that's, that's, I guess, found in mice or tested on mice or something like that. I think at this point, it's probably synthetically made protein of mice I mean, or sure they're it saying it's, it's still derived made from, from 
right it's derived from i think it's like my mouse dna somehow right right <clears throat> yep. so you know and so it was finally like fine uncle fine i'll do it fine and then they were like no no and so you know it's weird to to have been on a journey where i kind of was gonna do that after right i've tried pretty much all the ones you've listed that you named off um and there's same some new kind ones of now that i've talked to that people have been using but um Fun fact, if that's something you still wanted to do, there is a generic version of it now that most insurances are covering. Interesting. So I, I do, you know, yeah, I they, do got to meet up with that GI soon because, you know, it's been a pandemic and, you know, you don't get a colonoscopy and virtual. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I've still been getting those. Unfortunately. Yeah. Year, yearly one. Those are always fun. Um, so fun. <clears throat> But no, they, they, they switched over and they have a generic version. And the only reason I know is because they sent letters out to everybody that there's a generic version that they're using. And depending on your insurance company and what they cover, you may get switched over to the generic version. Now, thankfully being a federal employee, I have really good insurance. So I still use Remicade specifically, but there is a generic version that is covered by most forms of insurance now that has an incredibly good you know success rate in is what, it like is 99. it like 5. the infusion type or is it like mm -hmm. a shot it's still it an is. infusion it's just a yeah. generic version of it so it cuts right. the cost down a lot yeah so that all that's in, great like, almost all insurances cover it and from my understanding i, I don't know the cost because i don't know anybody that's on it <clears throat> but it's supposed to be comparable or less than humera so you can just go right into it versus having to fight to get on and like the Remicade. That's good <clears> to know because, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, I was so against it for so many years, but then, you know, you read more and then you realize your body is in a situation where you're like, you know what, you just got to try something else, you know? So that's also where, like I said, it kind of became a thing where I, I knew a lot more information than the doctors would expect me to. But I also ended up finding out a lot more information about, you know, just things that I was already doing to keep myself well, like the things that people, you know, always read about when you get like an IBD or an IBS, oh, take probiotics or take the digestive enzymes. And so you start exploring all these supplements anyway, but for me, it got like really into it. Like um, you mentioned a, a couple times, the medicines that they would prescribe for um Crohn's and colitis that where you have to take like nine pills a day and it just coats your guts so there's actually a natural form of that that you can buy you don't need to get it prescribed and pay 600 plus a month for it it's a natural thing and you can take 12 of those a day too if you want it does the same exact thing it's called a uh, slippery elm bark so it's like you know what i mean and so what does that really do you're right it just like coats your guts and makes it sort of like lubricated i guess so that you know you whatever comes out it comes out easier i guess um but in yeah. the end is it making you feel better is it giving you a better quality of life and those are the questions i was really thinking i'm like i can sit here and take all these pills or even like you said with the cbd people are taking capsules but it got to the point with me where i'm like I'm literally like eating capsules, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like everything in my stomach and in my guts is just like a gel cap of something. Yeah. And it was too much. So that's where I started finding um, <clears throat> edible cannabis or even making my own with the CBD tinctures or mm -hmm. really that's where I wanted to start learning myself. And I had one doctor that inspired me and she was like, you know what, you are really, you do have a lot of knowledge. You should start telling people about it so 
that's where I kind of came around to becoming a casual user, trying to find my own medicinal course. And then really just organically through figuring it out myself, people would kind of, you know, you know, I'm sure people come to you because they know you have like colitis and IBD and they probably just like want it. But like when they like, you know, how many times have people go in and get a colonoscopy, ask you to come message you like, hey, dude, I got to get a colonoscopy. Can you, you know what I mean? Funny Just enough. even like people, you know. My coworker just recently got one last week and he's in his like fifties. So he had to go get like his first one ever. I was making fun of him for it. And he was all worried about it. And I was like, oh, it's going to be horrible. You're going to be glued to the bathroom. And oh yeah, he was talking about it afterwards. Like he's, this is, this is horrible. I was like, that's what colitis is like normally when we're flaring up. I was like, oh, and by the way, there's a bunch of added pain to it as well. He's like, it's horrible. I was like, yep. But no, no, I, I, I mean, for other people that have done it, depending on where they get it done. I always talk about that nap. I'm like, oh, a two hour nap of like pure sleep. I was like, if I could sleep yeah. like that every night and you wake up, and, you know, your butt's a little sore, but eh, it's part of a colonoscopy. Would you wake up and you're like, ah, ah, if I could only sleep like that on a regular basis. Oh my gosh. I swear. I have never heard anyone else say that. I feel like it's a joke I made in my head because I do. I feel like when you have a chronic illness or eat, especially an IBD, cause we got to get up and go to the bathroom. You don't get a full, I haven't had a full, like, that's my joke. I haven't had a full night's sleep since they put, I, unless they put me under in some kind of anesthetic situation. That's the only time I actually get like a restful sleep, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty sad. <laughs> you, know, you might be chronically ill if, you, you know, less than five hours of sleep at night. <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of what would happen is like, I was like already becoming the authority. Like people want to talk to you about colonoscopies and like, you know, probiotics. And so then I was like, you know, let me like teach myself, do things online. I was literally like, you know, just, and nothing even like, cause you know, you can find classes that range up, you know, super college course price or just whatever. So I'm finding everything in between, whatever I can do for my bed, you know? So it's kind of interesting to me that I am even on days when I'm flaring, I'm like, no, I still want to learn so I can help other people. And I know what you're saying about the cost too. And that is kind of an issue with cannabis, uh, medicinal cannabis users is, um, the cost. So that was also for me, part of my journey was, I realized in New York, even as a medicinal cannabis card holder, the products that were, that were, and unfortunately still right now to this day available to me are not cost-effective for my particular ailment and B, not even the right products for my particular ailment. Like, yeah, I can go get a tincture and a vape and some smokable, but really somebody with uh, an IBD, we need like suppositories. We need, right. Capsules. We need what they call RSO, which is called Rick Simpson oil or full extract cannabis oil, which is fully medicinal cannabis spectrum oil, you know? And so things like that, they are not available to me here. And they're also not the products here are not cost effective. Like I would, I would spend almost as much as the Remicade. So that's where the knowledge of trying to learn and also teach other people even more about CBD and other legal uh, cannabinoids that are available. Like right now you can find THC Delta 
products that are legal in most states, I believe. Mm -hmm. So those are very helpful to people. And like I said, the other cannabinoids, CBG, CBDA, um, I think we're also getting into one now called, uh, that is CBN, and that one's great for uh, sleep and insomnia and also uh, creating an appetite and also anti-nausea. So those things are starting to be more available, you know? So that's that's really helpful to get people more um, aware, you know? And like you said, you work in a federal situation, but thankfully what I've also been learning is that there's so many people advocating for exactly that, you know, federal employees to have proper access to medicinal cannabis, especially when they are medicinal patients, because top five list of, uh, you know, things that they prescribe medicinal cannabis for, IBD is in the top five, you know? No, it's one of those things. It's going to happen eventually. And I talk a lot about it. The federal government's going to legalize it. It's just a matter of when. And it's not going to be because they agree with it. It's not because they want to legalize it. It's kind of, it's because they're going to get greedy. I mean, California this year is supposed to hit about $3 billion in tax revenue from from marijuana because of both recreational and medical. And that's $3 billion worth of taxes that the government gets, the federal government gets nothing of. They can't tax it. They have no ability to tax it because on a federal level, it is illegal and they cannot tax illegal activities. So the the federal government is missing out on this massive pool of of money. And that's just in the states that allow it. There's not a ton of states that, I mean, it's it's growing and the the infrastructure is getting there, but there's only a few states that have really had the infrastructure set up and it's it's commonly used. And I I think it was like US last year was like 15, 10 10 or $15 billion in taxes in total. And none of that's going to the federal government. It's all going to the, the local states that allow it. And um, the federal government's going to catch up. And once once they legalize it so they can start taxing it, it's going to come down to the issues of, okay, as a federal employee, well, if it's not illegal, how can you restrict it? Same mm-hmm. thing as like alcohol and, and, you know, nicotine, you know, smoking, well, smoking's perfectly legal and there's no restrictions around it. I mean, alcohol mm-hmm. is perfectly legal. Obviously, you can't drink at work, but what you right. do in your free time doesn't affect you. So... It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they attempt to regulate it in yeah. the workplace um, because it comes down to, okay, well, if you get tested, you test positive for 30 days at a time. So whether you had it last night or, you know, you're actively using it in the workplace, they have no way to, to tell testing wise other than, you know, obvious, maybe some obvious symptoms if you're stoned out of your mind, but right. <clears throat> something like, you know, like oils that have eight parts CBD, one part THC, you're not getting high from that. It's just something that your body's using and it's not a high enough dosage to actually get higher, have the hallucinogenic factors. Maybe you'll, you know, you'll be a little more relaxed and it will deal with the inflammation, but it's something you can use during the workday. And then another thing I saw that was common with people that are using the, the capsules themselves, they use a higher dosage at nighttime. So it might drop down to a four part CBD and one part THC, which you technically get high from and you have some of those symptoms, but you're mm-hmm. using it before you go to bed. So by the time you wake up in the morning, you're good to go. And right. that dosage hits heavy at nighttime and really kind of deals with any inflammation that's there and really hammers it down. And then your normal dosage covers you during the day, whether you take it in the morning or morning and lunch. 
and then you have the higher one at night. So it's it's getting there, and I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Um, it's going to come back and forth between how much your pharmaceutical company is going to lobby against legalizing it because, I mean, they obviously lose a ton of money in it, which I still get. It still blows my mind, all these companies that always lobby against something because they're going to lose money because it affects their field. Like, mm-hmm. how fucking stupid are you that you can't just start doing it? Yeah. Like, as a pharmaceutical company, why don't you invest in medicinal marijuana? How, how fucking hard would that be? Like, you're going to lose a shitload of customers to marijuana once it's legal, and you're already losing them in the states that allow it. So why don't you just start growing and selling marijuana-based products? Why don't you work on, you know, coming up with a standard, you know, standardization organization or something that standardizes certain products and offers those more specific things like the oil capsules that you can get, like, you know, edibles that help in specific areas instead of like, oh, we're not going to allow that because it gets rid of all of our medication. Like, why don't you, you invest billions of dollars into creating chemical-based medication. And now you don't want to, you want to slow the progress of a plant because you're going to lose money instead of investing into it. So the dumbest, dumbest thing ever to me. It's, it is, it is sort of ironic because the thing about it is that it's not the kind of plant where, when, you know, you're just going to take in, it's going to cure and you're going to have to not ever do it again. You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, they would lose money because we're still going to want to keep doing it. The other thing is, is I think, you know, you touched on some interesting points that do need to be reformed is that there should be more of an integration of people that are, you know, on a medicinal regimen and how that factors into their workplace and how that factors into the legalization because, um, right, pharmaceutical companies, they need to change their ways, but they're not trying to change into, let's find out these people that are doing things in the medicinal cannabis field, people that are, that do come from an actual medical field that are now working in the cannabis medical field as doctors and nurses and, you know, those kind of things that should be more integrated into legalization and in the workplace aspect. Cause it's just so that, you know, how people can get a note from their doctor saying, you know, so-and-so gets migraines. So they're allowed to take this many days off or whatever. They're allowed to have some sort of caveats in their, you know, work schedule or whatever, because to accommodate their migraines, you know, my doctor said so, you know, it should be like, I think it should be like that. Like they should say, look, this person's on and, you know, and also the integration between your cannabis regimen, your doctor, you know what I mean? Right. The whole thing, like it should really be integrated for the patient, you know, well, not, not even that, just, just the whole, the whole aspect of, well, if it's prescription, it's never been questioned. If you're, if you're on a a heavy duty painkiller that throws off, you know, your ability to operate heavy machinery. There's a lot of things that are listed on some of those heavy duty painkillers because of muscle relaxers are really common one mm-hmm. as well. So if those are okay in the workplace in certain work environments, especially if you're in an office work environment, and that has such a big effect on your ability to do things, then why shouldn't cannabis be, be okay in the workplace when it doesn't affect your ability to do anything? Right. Because you can have the those like daily doses that don't do anything. 
it, it makes me, you know, I, 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 you know, because I'm not, you know, I know you mentioned, keep mentioning California. So, you know, it's funny whenever I have to do or like phone calls or something and things in California and you realize like pretty much everybody has on a cannabis regimen in California. And these are like people running businesses and doing things legitimately. So I think it's also like a shift in mindset. And that's where the advocacy of people that are doing things you know, in a serious realm and not just like, yeah, man, you know, legalize it, dude, you know, which is fun. Cool. Yeah, we can all. Yeah, cool. There's plenty enough to go around. We can all get high, but there's a very important story of the people that truly need a medicinal regimen that don't have access to it or too scared to because of their closed mindset, you know, mm -hmm. or because of their work regulations, which is sad because think of how better your quality of life will be would be if you were on something that made you feel better your your work productivity would go up so you would think you know what i mean right all all yeah. things involved you would think everybody would want these things to be plugged into place but well yeah if you're spending less time in the bathroom more time at the desk i don't see what the problem is yeah they just don't want you vaping in the bathroom i guess <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It's been, you know, it's been interesting to meet people in the medical, you know, or like even when you go to a doctor's appointments who you, you have doctors that you know damn well, they know that cannabis is not harmful. And in fact, they know that for specific, you know, colitis and Crohn's symptoms, it's in fact, like one of the only things that's helpful, but there's so much on that um, pharmaceutical script to try to push that agenda. You know what I mean? Cause you're right. Yeah. It's such a money-making, you well, know, agenda. Kickbacks too. Kickbacks also like withdrawal symptoms, like even some of the Crohn's medicines you mentioned, right. If you like say one of them was working for you and then you couldn't get that refill. Well, now it's like, okay, now you're super dependent on that. Whereas at least with cannabis, now you can go get CBD or something, you know, legal, you know, and it's not harmful, you know? Yeah. You know, so yeah, no crazy side effects. No, none of that mess. Hey, as long as you know how much of a, how much of that brownie to eat. And that's where like somebody like me comes in. And that's what I was saying before, where, my own healing journey ended up with me starting to help other people. I started working, you know, for a cannabis company for a little while doing customer service online and answering people's questions about the products. And I realized that people had so many, like I would be just messaging with one person about it for just hours hours so that's where I sort of also realized like other people kind of need to know more about this and how it can help them so obviously I can talk about it forever so I'm so you know it's good that other people want to talk about it on their podcasts too you'll have to come on mine and talk about it even though yeah. you don't partake but I think that's a great topic is that you know you can talk about the fact like more about you know how that factors into like working into my, and what could potentially become my new daily routine no it's <clears throat> it's something I talk a lot about because <clears throat> not not only can it you know is it is it a more natural option and then the long term I'm always concerned about hey how is this remicade going to affect my body 
in 20 years if I'm on a higher dosage as it is <clears throat> regularly. That's why I was asking you about your side effects. Cause I've, I've seen videos of people that are like, yeah, I got my humor a shot. And then like the next whole week or, you know, I'm all jacked up. Like, and it's like, but how is that? Like, how is that good? Now you're jacked up for a whole week after your shot. Like you're, you know, you have, like, that's why I was trying to say like, um, part of my work now as a uh, green godmother is my, my slogan is green godmother, herbal wellness and mindful wholeness. Meaning like, if those things are going to make you anxious in a mind way, that's also going to cause you more physical harm. Cause like, you know, your mind over matter is going to, you know, we have that gut brain thing too yep. with IBD. So the more anxious you are, it's going to lend itself to a stress related response. And that's why for me, you know, <laughs> OCD is one of my stress-related responses and I end up ripping my eyebrows out and stuff like that when I get nervous. I actually ended up with, I believe what they call medical trauma from some of the invasive um, procedures I've had to deal with, with, with the Crohn's side effects. So that's Sounds fun. Like fun. <laughs> yeah. Spicy nostalgia. <laughs> right. Oh, oh those are fun. Like, it's like um, uh, campfire horror stories, but like the medical version. <laughs> that's that's what a lot of this podcast is. All the horrendous, hor horrible medical things that have gone, or horrible advice, or lack of lack of a um, diagnostic or actual you know diagnosis in a lot of cases. Yep, yep, we're all over the place with the podcast, and that's that's always a big one weird symptoms that you didn't know were related to Crohn's that you find out were related to Crohn's, you know, fun why am that... I going blind? Oh, okay, yep. cool. That's, That's... fun. <laughs> I learned that like year eight. Oh, by the way, if you're in an active flare up, it's going to drastically affect your vision if you wear glasses. So you'll be changing prescriptions on a regular basis. I was like, I've been asking this for like four years. Oh no, it's not related, not related, not related. I was like, how am I going through like prescription every six months? No, like what? No, I have no idea. My doctor's like, nope, not related. Go to a new doctor. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a common symptom. I was like, oh, that's good to know like eight years into my diagnosis. Great. So. I have found that with, with, with a bunch of the people that I've talked to too. I think that almost with, with a few different chronic illnesses, you're just like, you, you get shuffled back and forth to so many doctors just to figure out like what you're like literally already telling them. And you're like, but I've already been telling you that, you know, mm -hmm. it gets to be so stressful. Um, but also that's why, like, I just, I try to let it inspire me. So that's good that there's people like us that want to bitch about it, I guess. Cause that is, that's how my podcast came to be. Like I, I basically, I had a friend where we would like wake and bake as they call it, where you, you know, have your coffee and your cannabis in the morning. And we would talk on the phone and we would just kind of bitch about like, you know, oh, I got to go get this procedure. Or she'd be like, did you ever have this symptom? Or, you know, we just be like bitching about all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is, this is like, this is, this is too like pertinent, you know? Um, and then also just seeing like chronic illness memes, you're always like, yeah, I guess there's a lot of people that relate to that if this is like a common meme now. And oh, that yeah. made me realize like, 
All right. I guess I could babble about having Crohn's. I mean, I do it in person enough, you know? Yeah. Originally the podcast was just going to be about Crohn's and colitis, but I expanded it into all of the broken community, like all of us together. Right. Cause we all just have so much in common. And then, you know, we, you know, we all have, uh, the inflammatory theme, you know, the, the spoony theme is something, you know, a lot of people uh, relate to and things like that, you know. I don't personally like that one. I don't, e- I don't either. You, I'm can a numbers I tell you person, the- so. Like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a tech, I'm a tech guy and I'm a numbers person. So I just look at it like you, your, your iPhone battery. <laughs> what's your battery health at? My iPhone's battery is like 82% health. I have colitis, so guess what my battery health said? Like 60%. So I use the battery uh, metaphor as well. I feel that's something that's easier for like normie, normie, you know, non, uh, non chronically ill people to understand or non as chronically ill people. Um, because when I first heard Spoonie theory, like years and years ago, I, I didn't know, I thought it was actually specific to IBD because it was, you're going <laughs> to, this is so funny because it was meaning like we can only eat soft spoons soft foods with spoons (laughs) so when I first read about it I was like oh I guess I'm a spoonie because I can only eat like pudding now or something you know and um then I read read about it and yeah I was like what I don't identify with this I don't have eight spoons a day what why would I have eight spoons and then also how does this help me explain it to someone else do you know what I mean like this doesn't it, they're trying you know but I if you know what honestly though if you if that helps I, you identify go ahead you know that's look, fine I, the, solidarity the I see with it, spoonies but some people are visual and they need a spoon I'm a numbers person so I just see a battery like you know you know when your phone's being an asshole and it only lasts for like three hours yeah that's what it's like to have a chronic illness Her right. battery only gives us three hours of functioning too uh, you know how and you then can the go Wi-Fi to the Apple shuts store and down as well. You know, you can the go battery to the Apple and store the and Wi-Fi go down. down. Yeah. So, no, no, I'm not. A, I'm not a big spoon theory person. I get it. I understand it, but <clears throat> my brain doesn't work like that. I, I'm a numbers person, so I got mad at spoon theory for a little while too because I, I actually part of my Crohn's journey so far has lent me to lose over 100 pounds. So there was a time where I like, couldn't eat anything. (laughs) So I was like, fuck your spoon theory. I can't even eat anything right now. You know, (laughs) that's fair. like I have no spoon. (laughs) So you can't do a damn thing. Whatever makes people, you know, but, but like I said, though, whatever, whatever meme you identify with, you know, because then it helps us all kind of feel connected. So that's cool. Like I'm still in the Spoonie groups, you know, it's not like, you know, I get it. It's a chronic illness group. I understand. I like to call myself a chronic illness warrior. You know, I like that term because I do feel like it is a war. It's a battle that we're fighting. It's we're, we're fighting a battle against our own bodies and we're fighting a battle against obviously the medical community and the doctors like we were talking about, you know? Yeah, no, it depends on who I'm talking to. Like <clears throat> if it's someone that's not versed in the medical field and probably doesn't have a very high attention span, how it affects me. I usually just start with, you know, I got a broken butt and I do weird butt stuff with my doctor. So <laughs> ask questions carefully because you will get an answer. You might not like it, but you will get an answer. And if you can't figure out where my sense of humor is based off of those two, three sentences, you're on your own. 
you're going to be severely disappointed and probably offended. So <clears throat> I come from a place similarly because I'm like, yeah, when you've had to literally like show your butt to like so many people, you kind of are over it at a certain point. We're like, uh, let's see. Uh, when you've had to, you know, uh, go to the bathroom in a commode in the middle of the room in front of like maybe more than one person, you know, I, I, you know, like whatever. Just, I'm just going to be candid whatever. now because it's like I've already been through such degrading feeling things that you're like, I, there's nothing I could say that you would judge me on that would like make me feel worse than the things I've already done. <laughs> You get you get the little printout at the end of your col uh, your colonoscopy, like, hey, here's some pictures of the inside of your asshole. Like, oh, thanks. That's that's a hundred percent what I wanted to see. Oh, I'm, yeah, you know, oh, watching look the monitor, at all those. Like, yeah, I know. It's good to good to know. Or you. they give you the CD. One time I got like a, the CD of it. No, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I just asked my doctor, does it look like? <clears throat> Does anything look like it's not supposed to? No? Okay, great. I'll take your word for it. Like, I just came for the nap. I know, I, I know. When they print, when they print it out and bring it to you and you're still sort of like half under, you're like, why are you showing this to me now too? You're like, I just woke up. I'm full of air. No. <laughs> you're making me sit in a farty room and try to not laugh when everyone's farting all this air out, you know, so... It's, it's one of oh. those diseases where you just get put in such like, like, right, you're right, but stuff. You're just like, I can't so. not be candid. It's almost like I watch a lot of like, let's say reality shows, you know, with like those kind of rich, rich ladies that get all the plastic surgery and, you know, they have this sort of joke where every time they get their boobs done they all just like hey look at my boob. it's kind of like that it's almost like yeah whatever go ahead you want to look at my you know what I mean like there's so many like you go to a doctor now you just like walk in butt first because you're just like you're already used to it like they don't you know they know you by your ass more than your it's face like one, one or two fingers this time <laughs> right. like, what, what are we going with <clears throat> no no it's it's I, I mean, I have a dark sense of humor around it because I think you have to have a good sense of humor. Otherwise, you probably just hate your life living with a chronic illness, which I'm, you'll get there, hopefully. Or you'll just be miserable. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, no, on, on that whole like after colonoscopy, yeah, where you got to fart all the air out. One time, <laughs> one of the other guys got out around the same time because they have multiple things. There's just a bunch of us yeah. all in, in things and <clears throat> we had a little contest to see who could, who could have like better sounding ones while we're getting on the air. Nice, nice. Like this guy's Yeah, great. I mean, look, you let in a solo one out, and I'm like, that nice, very nice man. He's like, what you got? <laughs> I'm like, this is yeah, only only at a gastroenterologist would would this be a thing? <clears throat> right. It is pretty, it's pretty unique. It's pretty unique of an experience for sure. And it's, it is pretty messed up that like when you have IBD, you're like, no, 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 I have to do this every year, maybe more. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, you have to wait till you're 50, but I have to do this. I've already done it more than you will ever do in your life, you know? So yeah, the no, other it's... thing too is, is like, um, being like dark sense of humor you know when they put you under for this you're not like fully fully under so I 
always mm, like wonder what depends. I've said that because depends. one time, yeah, one time they wheeled me out and like this male nurse was like, oh, you're funny, sweetie. And I go, oh, <laughs> after I left, I was like, I'm funny. I go, oh my God, I hope I wasn't being like dark and offensive. God only knows what I said under, you know, the so, anesthesia. <laughs> fun fact, depending on your doctor's office and how they do it, older forms of anesthesia, um, you gradually wake up from, they kind of just give you a dosage and your body processes it and you wake up where you have that loopy phase. The good form, which you have to have an actual anesthesiologist for, the nurses can't just do, it's an actual injection. So they inject it in, <clears throat> your body processes a solution, usually pretty quick. Um, and then when you're done, they wheel you out and they inject a counter to it that just wakes you up. Mm. So it depends on the kind of anesthesia that they use and it depends on who is administering it because a nurse cannot administer the higher tier, like more potent and, and newer forms of anesthesia that you're just out and then you wake right, like you're, you're kind of back up. Yeah, I think I probably was, had both. Yeah, you, you're, you're kind of, it's the same one you see the videos for all the time, like the dentist office where they're all loopy and they're saying weird things and usually hilarious yeah I think for some of the colonoscopies it's been like that but then for some other ones it's been yeah you have the anesthesia it's like don't drink any water beforehand you know yeah. don't eat the night Heavy before sign. the cold yeah so, the good sleep the yeah good that's sleep, the good yeah. yeah that's yeah, the good that's sleep that is that's I where you were that's you how up. you know you really have a dark sense of humor because when I've said that to people, they're like, "What?" Because they're you know how people are really scared of anesthesia, so that's like, that's a potentially that's like so dark that it's like a trigger for some people. I'm like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that joke," you know? Oh, like, I so don't that's care. a. I'm I know. Just, I'm just like, you know what? I've done it enough times. I know, yeah, and then like, I'm like, "Listen, I've done it even." I was like, "You're gonna have an amazing nap," and they're just like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, no, it's like the best sleep that you've ever felt, especially if you don't get sleep on a regular basis. Like, I wish I could sleep like that all the time. Yeah, no, I definitely have people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that. I'm just like, oh. You know what else I like? Is Must the, be nice the... to sleep all the time. Oh, oh right, yeah. Uh, the, the, the good, uh, like, meal that you'll have, like, after you've done the prep and the fasting, like, I always go for like a sandwich or something like a nice, like, you know, like a soup and a sandwich. I'm usually like, how can we do the most destruction possible after a colonoscopy? A giant quesadilla. Because you know what? A burrito is not big enough. So we're going to wrap it in the quesadilla. Yeah. And we're going to add queso. Because you know yeah, what? Like it's been like two days since I've eaten. So it's not like the calories are going to do anything horrible to me. And it's not, you know, it's not like it's steak or a giant salad that's going to rip a hole through me because it's all fiber. So right. it's like, hey, we're the largest burrito I can possibly get and wrap it in a quesadilla. Yeah. People think it's weird that I'm like, no, my McDonald's orders a triple cheeseburger. They're like, what? I'm like, no, no, a trip three. I want three on one. <laughs> Give me the three, you know, like. <clears throat> So, but no, that is the fun. other thing, you know, right. You haven't eaten in two days before colonoscopy, but sometimes that's just a normal friggin' week on Crohn's. You're just, or, you know, having an IBD, you're just like, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I just don't, food isn't something that's going to help me this Solid week, spot. you know? No, I'm going to, I'm going to drink some Gatorade and call it a day or protein shake and we'll go from there. 
What's your protein shake of choice? Ensure. Oh, yeah. Ensure plus because it's a little bit sweeter. Um, oh, no see, I'm the opposite because they the insurers are too sweet for me. Oh, okay, but I found, fair. even though I said that, this is going to negate the too sweet thing, but I like the Carnation Instant Breakfast ones now. Okay, and so now I, they I, have like... I've um, had those. <clears throat> they're very, if you like sweet, they're good. And now they have a high protein one. And they also have these new flavors where it's like, I sound like a commercial now, but it's like they, uh, they have like a frost, they have like cereal ones, like Cinnabon and Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loop one so because when you know when you're drinking shakes for all the time you're just like okay strawberry chocolate vanilla maybe like a mocha they get kind of annoying so I had to change it, it up, up a little bit yeah 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 Bol- Bolt House Farm has some really good uh, protein shakes too that that are pretty smooth they also oh, have I a lo- ton of those vitamins. are my f- those are my favorite I love the chai the chai protein one mm-hmm. they have a ton of vitamins and minerals in it so I always recommend those to people too. Yeah. For those of us that suck at absorbing like any sort of nutrients, protein shakes are are a good option. And the Bolt House Farm ones, not only are protein shake, but they have a ton of like your daily vitamins that you need. Some of them have like more daily vitamins than you would take from like once a day. So there used to be one that I would get that was like banana and peanut butter the bolt house banana peanut butter one Mm -hmm. i can't find that one anymore that one's so good yeah i'm i love those those are my favorite bolt house farms but that was the other thing is, is like people would know me for talking about food so much and then part of my journey of like i got you know diagnosed in 2008 i had tried every diet under the sun strangely I already was like a pescatarian vegetarian most of my life anyway and now I eat red meat which is weird you'd never like people that know me are like what you're not a vegetarian anymore I'm like no I can't I like had to be the opposite you know Vegetables like I can't digest don't, yeah, don't, they don't, they don't apply well. don't people like oh well. you must have to eat so healthily I'm like well the healthier no. you eat the more your body has to process the food which is what a lot of people don't realize so the healthier it is, it's usually are like a raw vegetable or like super organic. Your body has to work incredibly hard to break that down into what your body actually uses and, and can process and absorb. Whereas fast foods, for example, are fully processed. Yeah. So you can absorb <laughs> all of those carbs and <clears throat> saturated fats and sugar. Your body has to do very little work to break that down. So yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like, <clears throat> oh, you still, you can still eat fast food. Yeah. Cause it doesn't agree with my, or it doesn't disagree with my colitis. Does it add to my waistline and my, you know, dad bod? Absolutely. But <clears throat> my butt doesn't hurt at the end of the day. So yeah, I hear you. It's funny that I could eat Taco Bell and it, well, I know what to order from Taco Bell. Let's yeah. start that way. Within but, reason. Um, within reason. Yes. I can't go to McDonald's and get like five Big Macs. Like I will pay for that. But if I get like a double right. cheeseburger and some, some nuggets, like I'm good. I like <clears> that you can customize everything now. And especially like on DoorDash, you can like change it. Cause now I'm like, no beans, no tomatoes, you know, nothing with skin, you know, just give me yep. the cheese <clears> and the, you know, <laughs> Basically, it's like I just order cheese and meat at this point, but hey, whatever. Whatever. 
delicious. The good, it's like stick to good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's the other thing with Crohn's is like, yeah, maybe it'll stick to our, to our bodies. But at the same time, it's like, when you have a malnourishment, it's like, we're lucky if anything sticks good or bad. You know what I mean? Like, look, when you have a beard like this, it doesn't really matter what the rest looks like. Got a majestic Is beard. That, so. Yeah, you got so bearded advocate. That's mm-hmm. how um, it came to be then. It used to be um, Chronic Living. It was just a Chronic Living podcast. And I was like, hey, everybody that's not in the chronic community really doesn't like that and doesn't want to come on. So I was like, okay, I need something new. I was like, bearded advocate. Guess what? I can advocate for whatever the fuck I want because yeah, I'm an advocate. So I can, you know. I was like, I can lump in disabled community, the chronic community, the <clears throat> those, you know, struggle with mental health and the terminal. I community. like that. So. We all need the advocacy. The other thing is, is that, yeah, that's why I actually named mine the chronically ill podcast. Cause it's obviously a play on words of chronic, you know, cannabis, weed, you know, the chronic, you know, so it, it obviously has like a double meaning for my podcast, but yeah, I get it. Cause it's, it's, it's like an over overused word. And that's why when I was formulating my idea, I was like, I can't tell you. Cause if I tell you, like, it's not mine anymore. It's cause it's such a ubiquitous term, you know? Yeah. No. So no, I, I switched it. Cause I was like, no, this is not going to work. Um, I need something more. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to break, <clears throat> excuse me, brand it around me. And I talk about from time to time, the whole, like getting to this point. So January 22nd, 2020 was when I shaved my head and started growing out my beard. I had Mm -hmm. actually lost most of my hair about five years earlier and I kind of got tired of looking at it. So it was a big thing that I talk a lot about when it comes to like self-image with a disability or chronic illness and kind of accepting that change. I used to work retail and I used to get like two or three comments a year from customers like, oh, maybe you shouldn't work in such a high stress job. If you can't handle it, it's making your hair fall out. And it's like, uh, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm, There's a medication mm-hmm. that made all this fall out and it just doesn't necessarily come back. So yeah, no, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of hearing all that. I'm tired of seeing it every day because it's, you know, it's invisible disability. You don't really think about, hey, what am I dealing with until you start seeing all the side effects of it? And when you take a shower in the morning, you look at your hair or the lack thereof it when, you know, you're losing it all. So for me, it was like, okay, you know what, this is the, this is the new me. This is the new identity that's coming along with, and this is the accepted version of, Hey, I have colitis and I don't really go fuck what you think about it. This is, this is what I'm doing. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, that's great. There's seven point, how many billion other people in the world? Like I won't, I'm not going to cry over it. Yeah. I, I, I had to come to that place a little bit too, because I had lost so much weight so fast and it wasn't part, I, I mean, obviously I was overweight. So obviously like losing weight was like a positive thing, but the, you know, when people are looking at you going, wow, you look great. You look great. And then they want to know, how did you do it? And you're like, I almost died. You're like, right. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
So you have to like change the way you, you know, know that other people are seeing you because they don't see that you're ill. They just see you the way you are, you know, and they know you've changed, but they don't know why. Plus other people are like, oh, did you get a makeover? And you're like, no, I lost my friggin' hair because I am on medication because I'm sick. Thanks, you know. As a man going from slightly balding to shaving your head and, and growing a beard instant level of respect and i think it's hilarious because it definitely intimidates people yeah yeah Mm -hmm. oh i can i can tell when someone like you can tell by the way they look at you when you have a beard they're just like intimidated by how you look Uh and it it was something that was obvious because i never got that before like no one has ever seemed like they were like afraid of me or something or startled by it and it's just like yep I'm bald and have a beard and I could give two fucks what you think about me yeah I like that I when I was you know that's how I felt like when I was like got my first tattoo when I was a teenager yeah back in the 90s it was still rebellious to get a tattoo and then you know like being a girl the tattoos like I feel even more rebellious um but now more recently I mean, I mentioned I have OCD, rip my eyebrows out and shaving my head. I didn't even realize was kind of in par with that. Um, I didn't really, I kind of shaved my head because I turned 40, but I then now realize that now I don't even like it when it grows a little too much. And it's sort of, sort of like a weird trigger to me because I can't, okay. you know. I did not realize how much work a beard was. Like I thought it was a good idea. I'm just gonna shave my head and grow a beard. No big deal. Beards are a lot Not, more work than hair. A lot more work. It's maintenance. Yeah. I, I think like that's a body why I don't wash like and a shampoo to like four different things for my beard. Just beard in... oil. Yeah, <laughs> like beard There's, oil and well, <laughs> mustache wax. <laughs> daily, daily wash. I got thickening wash. I got two different types of conditioner for it, depending if I'm like a deep conditioner or a daily condition. <laughs> just different types i didn't even know they. that's cool that they make all that stuff though so conditioner for your beard is like normal hair conditioner that that women use on like their normal hair on like crack because the the hair is so thick so yeah well that's cool because then it's probably nice and soft and not all like crispy (laughs) uh, i need to i need to put some oil in it it's it's getting a little dry with with the season a little drier out right now um, yeah, yeah well, you know, have beard oils, beard balms, you know, there's beard cream if it starts to itch. Which that's more like your mid stages when you're starting to grow your beard out. You go through like two itch stages, which is usually why <laughs> right. most guys don't grow their beard out because it gets it's a it's commitment. Mm-hmm. I I actually used to have um dreadlocks. I think that's co- probably con- I might be I might get canceled for saying that, but like this was years ago. <laughs> before that would have canceled me out but um I had them for probably almost 16 years and uh it was it was it's a commitment to like have something that people think is like a lazy like it looks lazy but you're like no 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 this is a lot of work what you see here you know it takes a lot of work to look this lazy you know like if I want to straighten my beard in the morning because right now I'd probably get up another like four inches of beard if I straightened it wow curly that's like longer than my that's longer than the hair I just I, I shaved a bunch of it off um January too for a wedding. So we kind of cleaned it up because <clears throat> I was one of the groomsmen. 
but no, if I straighten it, it takes about an hour to straighten um, fully and like properly going through the whole thing, like right after you get out of the shower. Um, but yeah, no, you can get a lot, a lot more length with it and you can shape it a lot more. I think like rituals like that are kind of things that people with chronic illness, like we kind of like need those kind of schedules. Like, like for me, like, I don't know, maintaining my cat, like I have to brush my cat, give my cat medicine twice a day. Like it's like a weird thing or it's like, okay, I have to do this whether I'm sick or not. You know what I mean? So then you give yourself, like we give ourselves things to do too. So that we know. Like, you know, like I, have, like, I, have I ADHD, think so I'm always like, I like my sketch, uh, my structured schedule and such. That's, that's more yeah, like that's what I mean. Family. I think we like give ourselves things so that we have a routine because when you're chronically ill, you're so used to being like, I never know when the next shoe's going to drop and I'm not going to feel good. So it's like you, True. like I, you know, I became like homebound well before the pandemic. And so I had to like, right, kind of give myself daily routines where it's like I don't necessarily have to like you know brush my hair you know like put makeup on or whatever today but I need to get myself up and fucking motivated like as if I do have something to do because otherwise you just kind of like languish you know and that was that's part of chronic illness I hate like you know and why I just got to give myself hobbies so I commend you for working a full-time job because like that's you know that takes a lot technically too. podcast and and the actual job yeah, um, that's two jobs but no one of the big things that you know, like talking about that routine one of the big things that i i talk about a lot when it comes to that kind of daily routine a gratitude routine so it's one of the big things that i do every single day first thing i do when i wake up and first thing i do before i go to bed i go over a list of things that i'm grateful for I sit down I on the do side that. of my bed and I go over my little list of everything that I'm grateful for. Do you physically write it or you just do it in your phone? No, I, I like, say it out. Oh, you say it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I like to, I think that the act of like taking a pen to paper too is really good. So I like to write like, th- like not, not just goals, but just like things that I want. And then, then yeah, I do, I do both. Like, you know, you do like the things you want and like have, and then, you know, or like the things you, you know, you hold dear, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, my cats and my health and, you know, feeling good and whatever and getting through the day, you know, um, and then right, like, at the end of the day, or just reminding myself, I don't think I could even go to sleep without reminding myself the things I was grateful for. Otherwise, I'd be up worried <laughs> about all the other crap. No, you know? it's just something I do with it at the start and at the end, because the way I look at it is, you know, starting at the beginning of the day, it reminds you of the simple things that you are grateful for. So regardless of how your day is going to go, you start positive. And at the end of the day, going over the things you're grateful for, you end on a positive note. So regardless of how the day went, you started and you ended on a positive note, or at least put yourself in a po- more positive position than, you know, when you woke up or before you go into bed. So if you had a a really shitty day, the last thing you do is you go over the things you're grateful for. Well, it made the day a little bit better. That's where my um, cannabis edible at the end of the night also makes. For those of us that can't. (laughs) That's where the medicinal cannabis at the end of the night helps. Dang. Those of us us that are federal employees and yeah, Yeah. no, no, it's just something I do. Um, And it's a really, really important thing just because I understand how, 
much our mental state can fluctuate when you have a chronic illness or, or a disability. And I've definitely had that level of fluctuation myself, been in some incredibly so dark places. So wallow. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's, it's so easy to wallow. And I mean, we all have the bad days too. So to have the reminders and even like, I even have like apps that'll remind you to like, Hey, yeah. you know, like, you know, so, you know, no, and, that, and that's why I try to make like the motivational posters that I put on Instagram that I post because people that are following being in the chronic community and the disabled community, just random, whether it's a business based or goals or just, you know, simple reminders of, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're on the right path or, you know, to, to re-clarify, Hey, you know what, just cause you're having an off day, like doesn't mean you're failing in life. So that's, that's a big part of why I make those motivational posters, because I feel like our communities definitely need it the most. And then mm -hmm. that's been, you know, driving the Instagram account and kind of growing it. And then I can start throwing in other promotional stuff as I want. But that that's kind of the core of, hey, motivational posters first. And then we'll focus on actually promoting the podcast and stuff. Which is the funny thing. Most like my my Instagram account is just all for motivational posters. I don't I don't post a ton about the podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I just post in like a, some of the chronic groups and then I'll ask, you know, it used to be on Wednesday to ask like, Hey, you know, who wants to come share their story? And I get a lot of people responding to that, but no, it's mindset's a very, very important thing. And I think, especially with our conditions, it can be one of the most destructive forces. If you don't train your brain, um, and, and work on stress management. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's mind over matter because there's been times where, you know, you get, your mind's so worked up and then you start a stress inflammation in your body because of it. And yep. people don't realize, you know, they're like, Oh, it's your guts. It's your guts. But it's like, it's stress. It's stress related. Cause if I was, you know, if I wasn't stressed, my guts wouldn't be stressed, you know? So a lot of people don't realize that your brain has the most connections to your gut out of every part of your body. So those mm -hmm. neurological connections and, and path flow. So your, your stress affects your your digestive tract more than any other part of your body i definitely believe that that's why i it takes it probably takes me all day to even get an appetite and some days i don't have an appetite and maybe even force myself to eat so mm -hmm. stress related but then also at a certain point your body's so used to that that you're just like what's food <laughs> how does that work you know why do I want that again? You know, so it does become something you do. And that is why I said, you know, my, my thing is herbal wellness and mindful wholeness. Cause it is, it's definitely yeah. like to be really mindful is probably the number one to be physically, you know, help, that helpful. mindset. Yeah, for sure. Well, I feel like it's a good time to, uh, to wrap up. Is there anything that you kind of want to end with or any final re remarks? And, and I'm just for those wondering, I yeah, will I'm put just... like a link to your podcast in the podcast description. So they'll be able to find it and kind of link to it very easily if they want to check it out. So right on, right on. Yeah. I'm just glad to connect with someone on their podcast and have so many things uh, that we, you know, really related on here. This was like such a great conversation of things that already like, right on the tip of my tongue or things I'm always like ready to talk about. So no, I try to always to... have some good in-depth conversations and, and spark, spark some, you know, I guess intelligent conversation and, and start questioning 
our, our normals and, and pushing the limits of what we can as far as advocacy for ourselves, so. Thank you for allowing me to advocate for more knowledge in the medicinal cannabis uh, realm of how that interacts with our IBD symptoms. You know, I think that even people with IBD aren't even necessarily aware of that. So that's great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I appreciate you having come uh, coming on. Right on. My, uh, so yeah, just so I could get my little plug in there, but yeah, you guys can follow my podcast at the chronically, or I think it's just chronically ill podcast handle on Instagram right now. And uh, my links are on that Instagram. And I'll have them, have you send them to me as well. So I'll put all your links in the actual episode description for people that are interested. Right on. Well, thank you for coming on. Thanks so much. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening to the episode. Make sure you guys head over to thebeardedadvocate.com to show your support. It's got all the links to all the other social media platforms, which I'm creating a ton of new content on that I'm sure you guys would love to watch and hopefully in the future be a part of. So thank you, as always, and have a good one.